Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. We, we live in a great nation and we have a great privilege living in this nation of voting for the leadership of our nation. And uh, we, don't, we should not take this privilege lightly and we should not vote ignorantly. We need to understand the privilege we have and the way that we should vote. And so, who should I vote for, you may say, and how do I know who to vote for, and why should I vote for one person over another person, and what are the reasons to vote for a person, and who is the best candidate, because everybody's telling me this person or that person. Well, today I'm going to tell you who to vote for in a totally and completely unbiased way, 100% nonpartisan. We're going to let the Bible be our voter guide. And so you can get your scriptures out, get the Bible out, and, um, and the Bible is a great voter guide. And please listen to this. If you're not sure about scripture, you're not sure about the Bible, I want you to understand the Bible speaks to every single area of life, including elections, and including leadership. It's just absolutely amazing. And you, and you may say, well, I did vote already. That's okay. This still applies for future elections. This still applies for lessons learned in leadership for our own lives and other people's lives. Uh, whether it's business or whether it's government or whether it's work, it's whether it's home, the scriptures are filled with incredible depth of wisdom. And that's where we're going to go today. We're gonna to go into the wisdom books. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Proverbs. We're gonna spend most of our time in Proverbs. We're gonna spend also a little bit of time in the book of Ecclesiastes. And what I want you to understand is we're gonna study scripture systematically today. This is gonna be systematic theology 101. You may say systematic what? Systematic theology. We're going to take a book of the Bible, Proverbs, and we're gonna systematize it. We're gonna look at rulers, kings, leaders, and princes and see that everything that God has to say about those positions and, and fine tune them, filter them down into different points of character traits or character qualities, okay? And so we're going to learn who to vote for based on who God wants us to vote for. So if you came in today, insight, you should have a, boat, uh, a biblical voter guide. Raise it up. You got a biblical voter guide? Okay, good. Uh, if you're at home, if you did not get a biblical voter guide and presidential scorecard, raise your hand. Our ushers will make sure you get one. We've got a person over here. Raise your hand. Our ushers will make sure you get one. Okay, and then the other thing, you at home, you have this available to you too online. You can go to adharvest.church slash vote. Go to adharvest.church slash vote. Or if you're on site and you want to pull it up on your tablet, you can do that as well. And you can use it for multiple candidates, okay? So let me explain the biblical voter guide and the scorecard right now. Um, you choose. You choose two candidates that you want to compare side by side, okay? It's your choice. Uh, you can choose the two of the two major parties who recently debated. You could choose one of them and a third party candidate uh, if you'd like to do that. You can do a write-in candidate like moi. Okay, you can, you can do whoever, whoever you want. If you're a young person here and you're like, Mom, Dad, I don't understand this at all, here's your candidates, SpongeBob and Squidward. Okay, you, you just put them in. And this was great. Uh, someone told me this morning their daughter was sitting at the kitchen counter and she decided she's got a crush on two boys and she was comparing them. So, she's, so, so, it's, so it's a way to, to test character for in, in any area, okay? So what we're gonna do is you're gonna fill in 10 character qualities or character traits, not all at once, 
You're going to fill them in as we review. And these are not in any order of importance. I've already told you this. This is unbiased, nonpartisan. I just went through Proverbs, and as they came up, I put them in there. And by the way, what you're going to see is that it's going to show us that none of us is a single-issue issue voter. In reality, none of us is a single-issue voter. And we're going to see 10 different things that come in, in, in context of voting. Now, don't fill, don't circle, don't fill in the circle until after the point is done. Just don't assume, well, I know that. I, no, wait till you hear it. And this is what I want to challenge you on. Be as unbiased as possible. I know you walked in here, most of you, most of you watching online know who you're voting for and you're all emotional about it, some of you. Calm down. Step back and say, I want to be honest with this. I want to think through these qualities and characteristics and I want to vote according to the Bible. And just do it. Whether you like the person or not, it doesn't matter. Best of your ability, do that. And, and score them. If it's a definite, circle underneath the person. If you're leaning one way or the other, then you circle the circle that's leaning. Or if it's a toss-up, so be it. Uh, and then we're going to tabulate it at the end. Those that are definites are going to be 10 points. Those that are leaning one way or the other will be 5 points. If it's a toss-up, it's zero points. You may say, well, what if it's a tie? I win. I'm your president. <laughs> okay. So here we go. Are you ready? Ready to see who to vote for or who you shouldn't have voted for? Number one, vote for the person most wise. Write down wise. Okay? That character quality. We desperately need wise leaders in this nation. It's been said everything rises or falls on leadership. Everything rises or falls on leadership, and I believe it. If you have your, take, if you have your Bibles, take, your, take, your, take them and turn to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, in the context of wisdom. Look what we read, how important wisdom is for leaders of a nation. Verse 12 of Proverbs chapter 8. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. Now jump down to verse 15. By me, by wisdom, that's me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, by wisdom, princes rule and nobles, all who judge rightly. And so we need a president who governs by wisdom, makes executive decisions by wisdom, leads a nation by wisdom. There's all kinds of decisions and decrees and justice and judgments that go into this position. We need someone filled with wisdom. So here's a question. Who do you deem to be the wisest candidate? Who will be wisest with the economy? Who will be wisest with a pandemic? Who will be wisest with race relations? Who will be wisest with the appointment of judges and justices? Who will be wisest with foreign policy? Who do you deem to be wisest? We want a president who's on friendly terms with wisdom, close to wisdom in a relationship. And where is wisdom found? Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So wisdom comes through a right relationship with God and having a right attitude toward God. So here's a question. Who do you deem to be in a closer relationship with God? With the two candidates you chose, who do you deem to be in a closer relationship with God? Because that person, Lord willing, will look to God for wisdom. Now, not only do we need somebody who listens to God, we need somebody who listens to other people. We need somebody who listens to good wisdom and advice from others. Ecclesiastes 4.13 says this. 
A poor yet wise lad is better than an old foolish king who no longer knows how to receive instruction. See, sometimes as people get older, they think they know it all. They don't want to listen to anybody. Please don't do that as you grow older. Old people sometimes do that. I don't want to be like that. I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to learn. I want to continue to understand. But a foolish ruler like this guy, he won't accept wise advice. He won't listen to anybody else. So he wants somebody who listens to God and listens to others when they have good advice. And we need to understand that a nation is protected with wise leadership. Proverbs 28.2, by the transgression of a land, that's sin, national sin, many are its princes. That means a nation filled with sin is, is instable, okay? It weakens, destabilizes. But a man of understanding and knowledge, so it endures. So wise leaders actually extend the life of a nation. Foolish leaders shorten the life of a nation. So who will, more than li- who will more likely lead our nation away from sin with wise choices? Go ahead and fill in your circle. Who do you think, out of your two candidates that you've chosen, will be the wisest leader? Vote for the person most wise. Here's the next one. Vote for the person most truthful. That's funny. You <laughs> probably should say, vote for the guy you think will lie the least. Okay? Uh, I don't know what else to say. Uh, don't fill it in yet. Don't cheat. Don't, don't fill that in. Wait till we're done and then come back to it. Why is true? Why is being true so important? Because liars are dangerous. Proverbs 17, 7. Excellent speech is not fitting for a fool. Much less are lying lips to a prince. Think about it. Who's more dangerous? A fool that's not articulate or a fool that's very eloquent? Obviously a fool that's eloquent. He can convince more people, draw more people to his side, lead more people astray and into harm's way. Think about it again. Who's more dangerous? A liar with little influence or a liar in a position of vast amounts of power like a president? Obviously more dangerous is a liar in a position of power. They can lead a lot more people astray into danger and cause a lot more damage. So here's the question. Who do you think between the two candidates you've chosen will keep their word? Who do you think will keep their promises? And you may say, I have no idea because I got fake news and biased news and, and no news and people and family and friends. One way that might help you is you can go to voter guides. You can get online and look up different voter guides. They've made promises and see where they really landed in keeping their promises or not. See where they voted on different issues after they've talked about them. So that's something you can do. Um, we do want a leader, though, who weighs words very carefully. Here's another verse, Proverbs 16:10. A divine decision is in the lips of the king. His mouth should not err in judgment. So he needs to be someone who discerns how God would want him to answer. And he feels this weight of responsibility that he's been put there by God the seriousness of it and the ramifications, the weight of responsibility of the decisions that he makes. That's why it's so important to pray for our leaders. They carry so much weight. You and I will never know the weight that a, that a leader like a president carries. That's why we should be so less quick to criticize any leader and so much quicker to pray for them, to pray for them 
and not criticize them. And by the way, that's one of the things that'll be important about this, this entire list that we go through. It, it will not only be helpful for you understanding character qualities, it will also become a prayer guide. You can use these character qualities to pray for whoever God ultimately puts into leadership. Now, what we realize here is truth is very important. Look at Proverbs 20, 28. Loyalty and truth preserve the king. So think about a good foundation for a home. Good foundation is solid. You don't want a foundation being eroded or, or destroyed or undermined. Loyalty and truth preserve and protect, okay? So we want a leader that, that, that understands the importance of loyalty and truth. And, and another reason why truth is so important, look at Proverbs 29, 12. A ruler who pays attention to falsehood, all his ministers, what happens to them? They become wicked. If he's a liar, the people around him become liars. So I want you to understand, lying is a virus that spreads. Talk about social distancing. Social distance yourself from liars and have nothing to do with liars because dishonesty is a disease that destroys. Being truthful promotes truthfulness. Telling lies promotes lying. That's why parents, grandparents, it's very important for you to leave a legacy of truthfulness to your children and grandchildren. They should not catch you telling little lies. They should not see you being dishonest in any form or shape whatsoever. What you're doing is you're just encouraging that in their lives. Be completely above board in everything when it comes to truthfulness. Now, we learned some important lessons from King David. King David was an incredible leader. And we see some things in Psalm 101, verse six and verse seven. Listen to what David says. He who walks in a blameless way is one who will minister to me. You know who I'm gonna hire? You know who I'm gonna put around me? Blameless people, righteous people, people who tell the truth. Verse seven, he who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. I don't deal with liars, David says. I have no place for them in my administration. You, in leadership, get this. You lead a business, you're in leadership at work in some way, you do not tolerate lying, ever. You do not tolerate liars. As a matter of fact, fire the liar. Say it with me, fire the liar. That's what good leaders do. You fire the liar. You don't deal with them. They're done, out of here. Because they will undermine everything at work. They will undermine everything in your business. Truthfulness is that important. So fill in that second circle. Who do you think will be most truthful? SpongeBob or Squidward? <laughs> or whoever you put in. Vote for the person most wise. Vote for the person most truthful. Vote for the person most tough. Who's, who's the toughest? What do you mean by that? Don't fill in the circle yet. Just write in tough. What I mean is they're not afraid to look evil in the eye and stare it down. That's biblical. Proverbs 20, verse 8. A king who sits on the throne of justice disperses all evil with his eyes. See, you want a president who's going to sit in the Oval Office of Justice. You want a president who's going to sit at the resolute desk of justice. All right? Uh, that, that's what you want. He, he has power and he's not afraid to use it. He, he will not tolerate evil. All right? He will carry out justice. And in a very intimidating way at times as well. I mean, his eyes disperse evil. I mean, the, the bad guys fear him is what's going on here. 
Um, my dad, my dad is a New Jersey successful type A attorney. Whew, yeah. He had a nickname growing up. He was called the Hawk uh, from, from kids in our family, from the teenage boys, friends of ours. Why? Because he saw everything going on and he never let teenage boys get away with anything. A good leader sees everything and they don't let anybody get away with anything. They take action. They just don't see it, but they do something about it. Look at verse 26 of Proverbs 20. A wise king winnows the wicked, drives the threshing wheel over them, meaning no mercy. No mercy with a good leader. They take out the bad guys. They bring the hammer down. And then we see this farming illustration. Wise king winnows the wicked, drives the threshing wheel over them. So a president... It's kind of like a farmer driving a combine through the cornfields or the soybean fields. And, and, and he's harvesting, and as he's harvesting, he's separating the grain and seed from the stalk and the plant material. Good leaders separate and remove the wicked. Why? Because evil destroys. A good leader does not let evil go unchecked. They deal with evil before evil deals with them. And they're aggressive about it. That's why we see this is one of the jobs of the government. A lot of people don't understand this. This is one of the jobs of the government, to deal with evil. Romans chapter 13. Rulers, they're not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. You want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you'll have praise from the same. For it is a what? Say it with me. Minister of God to you for good. The government is God's minister. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. It doesn't bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. So you want a president who bears the sword, avenges evil, and brings wrath on evildoers. Now, by the way, that's exactly what God is going to do at the end of the age. You may say, what do you mean? At the end of the age, in Matthew chapter 13, he says this, just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels. Look at what the angels are going to do. They're going to gather out of the kingdom all stumbling blocks, those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I want to encourage you, you who may not know the Lord as your Savior, we are all wicked until we come to faith in Jesus and he saves us from our sin. And we still have a sin nature, but our sin is taken care of. I want you to place your faith in Jesus and ask him to forgive you of your sin. See, he is either our savior or he is our judge. There's no other way around it. And so I want to encourage you to call on this God who is full of mercy and full of grace who says salvation is free if you just repent of your sin and ask me to forgive you. At the end of the service, I'll, I'll lead in a prayer. It's not a prayer that saves you. But humility before God and a brokenness and an honesty, just calling on him to save you. I want to encourage you to do that. Now the result of tough leadership is righteousness. Proverbs 25, 4 and 5. Take away the dross from the silver and there comes out a vessel for the smith. Take away the wicked for before the king and, and his throne will be established in righteousness. What we have here is a picture of purification. 
heat up that metal and, and, and you take off that lead oxide, remove that dross, you separate the bad and you keep the good and you have established righteousness. So fill it in, fill in that next circle. Who do you think will be the toughest and establish righteousness? Now, speaking of righteousness, I want you to vote for the person that you deem most righteous. Again, don't fill it in yet. Just write it in, but don't fill in the circle. We saw uh, this first part of the verse earlier in Proverbs 20, 28. Loyalty and truth preserve the king, and he upholds his throne by righteousness. Loyalty, truth, and righteousness. I love this because it's almost like three strong strands then braided together for maximum strength. You have a strong leader when you have loyalty and truth and righteousness together. Now, what matters is righteousness. Not what's politically correct. What is right. Not what's popular. You want a leader that makes choices not because it's popular. You want a leader that says this is right. I don't care if it's popular. You want a leader who doesn't follow the party or what the party expects. Doesn't matter what is right. We want a leader, doesn't matter what the previous administration or some other administration did. It doesn't matter what is right. Leaders who are good leaders do what's right regardless. They, they, don't, they don't wet their finger. Oh, which way is the political wind blowing? What are people going to say? No, what is right? That's what we want in our leaders. Righteous leaders have guts, is what they have. Now, the foundation of a good presidency is righteousness. Proverbs 16, 12, it's an abomination for kings to commit wicked acts, for a throne is established on righteousness. And righteous lips are the delight of kings, and he who speaks right is loved. So God uses a very strong word, abomination. He says, I do not want a wicked leader in power. I want righteous leaders. And unrighteousness undermines the foundation, and good leaders know this. That's why, look at verse 13. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and he who speaks right is loved. So what does a good leader do? He surrounds himself with righteous people who will speak right and do right. So here's a question for you. Out of the two candidates that you have chosen, out of those two leaders, which of them has surrounded themselves with more righteous people? They need to be righteous and they surround themselves. Who has more righteous people around them? And the result of righteousness, Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalts a nation. Sin's a disgrace to any people. National sin is a national disgrace no matter what that sin is. Here's some more questions. So whose decision will guard a nation from sin? Whose decisions will direct a nation toward godliness? Whose decisions will result in increased righteousness, not decreased righteousness? Every president ends an important speech with what words? And may God bless America. He'll bless it if it's righteous. And so you want a righteous leader. Fill in that next circle. Who do you think is the most righteous between the two candidates you've chosen? Now, this next one's kind of funny. Vote for the candidate or the person most uplifting. What does that mean? I call this the groan effect. What do you mean? If this person were elected president, it would cause you to go, oh. Or if this person were elected president, it would cause you to go, woohoo. It's uplifting. 
So who's going to uplift you? And, and you may say, is that in the Bible? Yeah, it is. Proverbs 28, 12. When the righteous triumph, there's great glory. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves. Proverbs 29, 2. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. When the wicked man rules, what do they do? They groan. That's the groan effect right there. And again, it's based on righteousness. And I know half the nation's going to groan one way or the other. <laughs> Fill in the circle. Which candidate is more uplifting? And this, is, this next one's really interesting too. Vote for the person most explorative. What? Yeah, most explorative. Fascinating verse, Proverbs 25 two. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. All-knowing, all-powerful, incredible God. So much we don't understand of the universe and around us. But the glory of kings is to search out a matter. So God's universe is filled with so much incredible marvel and mystery. And good leaders search it out. They authorize exploration and they secure funding for research in different areas. The glory of kings is to search out a matter. They seek breakthroughs, scientific discoveries, or, or in the field of medicine, or space exploration, or technology, all kinds of different areas they explore. I like this quote from William Arnault. Some things are hidden from our view by being too great, some by being too small for us. Men search as far as they can in one direction with the telescope, and in the other with the microscope. But beyond every depth attained lies a deeper still. What's interesting, though, is there's one thing that is unsearchable, and it's in the same passage. Proverbs 25.2 says, the glory of God to conceal manner, glory kings search out, but look at this, verse 3, as the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. In other words, the individual who sits in the White House, you're never fully going to understand them. You're not going to grasp their motives, why they do what they do. You're not going to grasp their mind. You're never really going to know what's going on in their head or in their heart. You never will. Only God does. So, circle, fill it in. Which one do you think will be most explorative? Next, vote for the person most caring. And there are some leaders who couldn't care less. Proverbs 28, 15. Like a roaring lion and a rushing bear is a wicked ruler over a poor people. A leader who's a great oppressor lacks understanding, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. What we're doing, given here, is a picture of two very aggressive, vicious animals. One is a lion, one is a bear, and they're even made more vicious and aggressive with the words roaring and rushing. And then we're given a third vicious, aggressive animal, a wicked ruler who devours his own people. He preys upon his own people for, to prosper off of them. He abuses his position and his people. Poor people become a meal to an end, a means to an end for a wicked ruler. They couldn't care less. They just use people. Some leaders couldn't care less. Some leaders truly care for the poor. Proverbs 29, 14. If a king judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. God takes note. You may say, well, what does it mean he judges the poor with truth? It means he's unbiased in his treatment. He doesn't play by two sets of rules. A good leader treats poor people the exact same way he'll treat rich people. 
That's a good leader. God honors leaders who honor the poor. See, God is a benevolent leader. And God's favor rests upon those who are benevolent leaders. So, you want somebody in power who's going to protect the weak and care for the poor and not exploit the people. So, fill in the circle. Out of your two candidates, who do you honestly think will care for people? Vote for the person. Most wise, most truthful, tough, righteous, uplifting, explorative, caring. Here's the next one. Vote for the person most fair. Don't don't fill it in the circle. Just write fair because you don't know where I'm going. The person most fair, meaning they have financial integrity, meaning they're not greedy. Out of your two candidates, who will be less greedy? We saw this earlier, the end of Proverbs 28, 14. A leader who is a great oppressor lacks understanding, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. So he refuses to abuse his position for financial gain. Okay, here's a fascinating verse for you. Proverbs 29, 4. The king gives stability to the land by justice, but a man who takes bribes overthrows it. So a greedy president or a greedy politician or a greedy leader brings instability to their town or to their state or to their their nation. You want a leader, you you want a president who's not gonna be in it for the money. You want, you want a president who's not going to line his own pockets, okay? Not that a politician would ever do that, mind you. Um, by the way, we here in, on site, we, we live in the great state of Illinois, where the four of the last seven governors have gone to jail. Four of the last seven governors have gone to jail. Why? Just for this. Greed. Why have they gone to jail? Let me tell you why. Extortion, bribery, bank fraud, and racketeering. That's who we've had in the land of Illinois, okay? Uh, They have destabilized. That's what they do. They destabilize a land. Now, some translate the word bribe. Others translate the word exaction, meaning taxation. So a man who takes an overemphasis, demanding of money, exaction, and overreach of unjust taxes is what it can also mean. What does that do? It exploits the people. It depletes the land. It it hurts the long-term health of a town or a state or a nation. So fill in the circle. Who do you think will be most fair when it comes to finances? Vote for the person. Most wise, truthful, tough, righteous, uplifting, explorative, caring, fair. How about self-controlled? Which guy or which woman or whoever you put in there will be most self-controlled, Squidward or SpongeBob? But anyway, ah, now we're going to get into a ruler's personal life. Proverbs chapter 31. The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. Listen to your mama. I've got some words to say to you, my boy, who's become a king. I know a thing or two. What, O my son, what, O son of my womb, what, O son of my vows, do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. It's not for kings, O Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink. They'll drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Who in the world is King Lemuel? We have no idea. Not told. Some believe it could be another name for King Solomon. 
But look what she says. What? What, O son? And what, O son of my woman? What? It's almost like she's saying, what in the world? What are you thinking? What do you think you're doing? You've got to be careful. Men of power and men of position are especially susceptible to two temptations, women and wine. Be very, very careful, you who are in leadership. The temptation of women, they don't control their sexual passions. They're filled with lust, a life of lust. Sexual integrity is a sign of a person's character when you have sexual integrity. Think about it. If a leader can't keep his promises to his wife, you really think he's going to keep his promises to you? If a leader can't keep his promises to his wife, do you really think he's going to keep his promises to a nation? You want a man with sexual integrity. So you can ask this question. Who has the strongest family life between your two candidates? Who has the strongest family life? So one danger is women. Another danger is wine. The danger of abusing alcohol, okay? Or, or any substance, abusing any substance, addiction, okay? What does it do? Abusing alcohol dims your senses, clouds your judgment. That's the last thing you want with a man in a position of power who's not thinking right because he can't control himself with alcohol. Drinking and driving don't mix. Drinking and politics don't mix, people. Impaired judgment at any level is very dangerous and costly. Now, Verse 5 says, they'll drink and forget what is decreed, pervert the rights of all the afflicted. So promises made become promises forgotten. And rights of people will be abused. Good leaders understand the importance of personal self-control. And any addiction in a man or woman's life is dangerous and can be very costly and deadly. And this applies to national leaders. This applies to business leaders. This applies to husbands in the home. Be very, very careful of your passions. Make sure you are very self-controlled or it will cost you dearly at work or at the home or wherever. We have this warning in Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes 10, 16. Woe to you, O land. Man, I feel bad for the land. Cursed is that land whose king is a lad and whose princes feast in the morning. No control. Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of nobility, whose princes eat at the appropriate time for strength and not for drunkenness. See, bad leaders lack self-control. They act like children. They're irresponsible and immature. and They don't even eat at the appropriate time. It's all about gorging and gluttony and drunkenness. They have no control over their bodies. Fill in the circle. Who do you think will have more personal self-control? And then we come to the last one. Vote for the person you think will be most protective. Write in protective. Don't fill it in yet. We'll talk about it. Protective meaning who's going to defend the most vulnerable of the land? Who's going to speak up for those who have no voice? Now, in the context of a king, Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. He mentions this twice. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Speak up. You want a leader who doesn't ignore the plight of the suffering, doesn't deny that it's taking place, doesn't make excuses not to help people, okay? Who are those people suffering? He says in verse 8 9, the mute, the unfortunate, the afflicted, and the needy. And then not only speak up for them, but act on their behalf. Verse 9, judge righteously, 
defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. This is a person of action, okay? That's who you want to pick. They're going to use their platform, they're going to use their power to speak up and defend people. Who? Who are the mute? Who are those without a voice in our land? Maybe it's children being trafficked into sex slavery. Maybe it's certain minorities being taken advantage of. Maybe it's preborn babies who have nobody to speak up for them. Who will be the one that defends those who have no voice? So vote for a leader who will speak up. Vote for a leader who will act on behalf of the mute, the unfortunate, the afflicted, and the needy. That's your biblical voter guide right there. It's not based on CNN. It's not based on Fox News. It's not based on what a family member or friend tells you. It's based on what God says. Weigh these things carefully. What? Vote for the person most wise, truthful, tough, righteous, uplifting, explorative, caring, fair, self-controlled, and protective. Why don't you tally up your votes right now? Go ahead and tally them up. Remember, 10 points for for the circle right under. Five if it's leaning one way or the other. Zero if it's a toss-up, and again, if it's a tie, I win. Now, as you're doing that, maybe you were kind of surprised by some of these categories. Maybe you didn't realize the importance of them. Maybe you thought it would be one person, but it actually turned into the other. Maybe you've actually changed who you were thinking of voting for. Let God's word lead you. What I want to do right now, though, is I want to encourage you as believers in Jesus, would you just take a moment and pray? I want you to pray right now. Just bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray. Would you pray for our nation? Would you intercede right now? Would you call out to God and ask him to raise up men and women of God across this nation into every level of leadership? Maybe God wants you to go into leadership and run for it. Do that. We need men and women of God. Intercede right now. Use this list of 10 character traits as a, as a prayer guide for our leaders. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You may be joining online or here in person and you've not come to faith in Jesus. I just want you to know there is a God who loves you. And it doesn't matter how bad your sin is, the guilt, the shame. He loves you. And he sent his son to die on the cross for you. Would you call out and ask him to save you? Would you call out and ask him to forgive you? That's his grace, that's his mercy. And you may say, yes, I want, I want God in my life. I need forgiveness, what do I do? In the quietness of your heart, just use words like these. Lord Jesus, would you save me? Would you please forgive me? I repent, I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me that much. I place my faith in you alone. I can't save myself. I place my faith in you alone. Lord, please forgive me and please save me. 
And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit at harvest.church.